Hello to you early birds. You have caught The Worm, a podcast from Yellowstone Public Radio News in cooperation with our colleagues at Montana Public Radio. I'm your host, Orlinda Worthington. Today is Tuesday, February 27th. Coming up for us today on The Worm, the state's largest school district plans to ask for more money from taxpayers. The state's chaotic attempt to revise Medicaid requirements hits the homeless hard. And MSU takes a leap into quantum science. The Billings Public School District plans to ask voters to pay for expansion of school safety equipment, programs, and personnel. Yellowstone Public Radio's Kayla DeRoche reports. The Billings Public Schools Board voted unanimously Monday night on the language of elementary and high school safety levies for this spring's election. Included are surveillance camera systems, gang prevention specialists, and counselor positions. School Superintendent Erwin Garcia briefed the school board on the timeline of the rollout, which he said is still to be decided. All of these positions we're going to hire immediately, and Parent Safety Advisory Group, also the Budget Committee, We're going to find ways to ensure that the timeline, especially for the most visible items, such as the cameras and the intercoms, are done rapidly. According to meeting materials, the elementary and high school levies together would cost roughly $5 million annually. That's almost $21 per home valued at $100,000. The election is May 7th. In Billings, I'm Kayla DeRoche. Montana State University is celebrating its growing research in the field of quantum science by marking World Quantum Day for the first time this spring. Yellowstone Public Radio's Sarah Brown reports. First, a primer. Quantum mechanics is the science of atoms and particles that supports technologies like lasers, LED monitors, smartphones, MRIs, and GPS. Susie Taylor is the director of MSU's Science Math Resource Center. She says MSU has invested heavily in quantum technologies research in recent years. MSU is really becoming a powerhouse in quantum research, quantum science and technologies. And since this is such a leading edge industry, I think we're really ripe to start small businesses and grow some of our existing businesses to take advantage of all these new developments in quantum technologies. There's the Air Force Research Lab to test prototype quantum components in frigid environments, the National Science Foundation grant to study the national quantum supply chain, the Optical and Quantum System Program, and the Montana Nanotechnology Facility, as well as collaborations with other universities and businesses. To celebrate its first-ever World Quantum Day, the university is partnering with Montana middle and high school teachers. It's an effort to spark economic development, education, and workforce development around quantum technologies. Teachers can request activity kits. The students who are in middle and high school now will be workers in Montana in just a few years from now. And we are quite optimistic that there will be many new jobs, up to thousands of jobs in Montana. These will be good, high-paying STEM jobs in the quantum industry. World Quantum Day is April 14th. The deadline to apply for an educator's kit is March 16th. To apply, visit MSU's Science Math Resource Center online. In Billings, I'm Sarah Brown. Scammers are targeting Montana businesses that took out loans during the COVID pandemic to help retain staff. Even though most payroll protection plan loans have been forgiven, State Justice Department officials say scammers are trying to frighten people into paying up. 
Targeted victims are told they'll be arrested if they hang up and then told to deposit cash into scammers' accounts using Bitcoin ATMs. According to law enforcement, once that happens, those funds are gone forever and untraceable. Montanans are reminded that law enforcement and government agencies will never request money to lift an arrest warrant. The Montana Supreme Court has ruled in favor of state environmental regulators' decision to permit a copper mine near White Sulphur Springs. Montana Public Radio's Ellis Julin has more. In a 5-2 vote, the Supreme Court overruled a lower court decision that had revoked mining company Tintina's state permits for the Black Butte mine. The state's highest court ruled that the Department of Environmental Quality satisfied mining and environmental regulation requirements when deciding to grant the permits. Conservation groups Trout Unlimited and the Montana Environmental Information Center originally filed suit over the permits for failing to address the mine's environmental impacts. David Brooks, Trout Unlimited's executive director, says this ruling shows that Montana's Environmental Protection Act is too weak to allow agencies to deny permits. The DEQ in this case takes a look at the mine proposal and the research the company has done or contracted to have done that seems to be sufficient, even though there's good evidence that this mine would pose a serious risk to water quality and quantity. The groups are worried about the potential for acid mine drainage, where water containing toxic materials from the mine leaks out of containment areas. The spillover can destroy water resources, which the groups are particularly concerned about given the mine's proximity to Sheep Creek and the Smith River. Although the High Court's ruling is the final determination in this case, another suit challenging the mine's water rights is yet to be decided. The Supreme Court will hear arguments in that case at the end of March. In Missoula, I'm Ellis Julin. The state finished evaluating the eligibility in January of every Montanan on Medicaid. The redetermination process was chaotic as the state updated its Medicaid roles for the first time since the start of the pandemic. Tens of thousands of low-income people lost health care coverage, many for simple technicalities like incorrect paperwork. It's been an especially difficult process to navigate for the growing population of Montanans without homes. Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton has more. At the Flathead Warming Center in Kalispell, guests are getting ready for the day, eating breakfast, or figuring out if the bus is running on time. Anybody needs food stamps or Medicaid? The lady's here. Tasha Evans is waiting for help to sort out her Medicaid application. She steps into a spare office to see if a worker with a local health care clinic can help her reapply to Medicaid. Tell me where we are. I try to get online again when you get to the first page. While Montana's redetermination process has been chaotic for many, it's especially difficult for people without housing. Evans is one of 120,000 Montanans who lost Medicaid as the state has reevaluated everyone's eligibility. Two-thirds of those people were kicked off for technicalities, like not filling out paperwork correctly. Evans found out she lost coverage in September because she never received renewal paperwork. That's forcing her to forego her blood pressure medication and dental work. The teeth broke off. My gums hurt. You know, there's sometimes where I'm not feeling good. I don't want to eat. She tried the local state public assistance office, but says staff there don't have time to answer all her questions. She tried the state helpline, but she couldn't get through. You know, so you just get to the point where you're just like, okay, I'm frustrated right now. I'm just have other things that were more important and let's not deal with it. Evans says she needs to spend her time looking for a job, finding her next meal and a place to sleep. Sitting on the phone most of the day isn't feasible. There's no public data on how many unhoused Montanans have lost coverage. 
but homeless service providers across the state say it is a big problem. Montana health officials say they gave training to help service providers prepare, but advocates for unhoused people say sorting through the paperwork gets confusing. Crystal Baker works with clients at HRDC, the Bozeman Homeless Shelter. We're getting mail that's like, oh, this needs to be turned in by this date, and that's already two weeks past. So now we have to start the process all over again, and now they have to wait two to three months without without insurance. Federal health officials warned Montana and other conservative states that have been unenrolling high rates of people for technicalities. CMS said that it could force states to halt their process, but so far hasn't done so. Experts say every state could be doing more to help homeless people maintain coverage. Margot Kushel is a primary care provider and a homeless researcher at the University of California, San Francisco. It doesn't seem like such a big deal to fill out paperwork. Put yourself in the position of an elder who's experiencing homelessness and has lost their vision, right? And has no access to computer, no access to car, um, doesn't have a cell phone. People can get three months of retroactive coverage if they reapply. But Kushel says being without health care coverage for any period can be dangerous for homeless people who are more likely to have chronic health conditions. Being out of your asthma medicine for um, for three days can be life-threatening. If you have high blood pressure and you suddenly stop your medicine, your blood pressure shoots up and your risk of having a heart attack goes way up. In the end, Tasha Evans in Kalispell was able to sort out her Medicaid application. But she says without help, she would have given up. Over at the Bozeman Homeless Shelter, Crystal Baker says she tried to help one of her clients save his coverage. But the state never called back for the required interview to make sure he still qualified. We set a call back five separate times. He waited all day long. It was so stressful for him that he just gave up. Baker says it may take years to get people like that to reapply for Medicaid because they no longer trust the medical system. In the meantime, she says they'll likely only seek care when it's an emergency. In Kalispell, I'm Aaron Bolton. That is the worm for your Tuesday. We will have another edition for you early birds on Wednesday. The Worm is a production of Yellowstone Public Radio. Theme music composed and recorded by Zach Jones at Rapscallion Recording. Metal art call captured by Jay McGowan for the Macaulay Library. More information about The Worm is available at ypradio.org.